This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown, touchdown Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass. Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open. Julio Jones has it. And in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my co-host Nick Stevens, who's uh, just out of a lift that had a flat tire or That's something right. like that. But he made it. He made it. He made it. I, I took the Adalus Thomas Express. You know what? Sometimes you got to grab that Jetsons car if you want to make it here on time. That's right. You could have gotten sent home. You could have gotten sent have. home if you didn't show up on time. Well, it's August. That means uh, we got some preseason football. My favorite month of the year. On the way. Actually, it's the worst month for the NFL. You know it. There's nothing good that comes out of August. Injuries, horrible, horrible preseason football that, that leaves us wanting the real, the real thing. Right. I mean, that's the only bad thing is you got to get we have to endure August to get to September. Okay, but at the same time, pretend football is better than no football. And when you're dying for and when you're dying, when when you're dying for pizza and you haven't had a slice of pizza in a long time, even a frozen Elio's is better than no pizza. I I will say this and I'm headed. I prefer the Celeste pizzas, the little mini Celeste for 10 bucks. You can't. You cannot. You literally can't. There's no UMass Amherst. No greater late night. They are the ramen noodles of pizza. I'm proud to say I'm too old to have experienced. Oh no, those. I'm not. I ain't, I ain't too proud to admit that I'll mama Celeste it up every now and again. As I was saying, Calm I'm done. Live a little. I'm on my way tomorrow to uh, cover the Hall of Fame festivities um, in Canton, Ohio. Um, but you know, in a strange way, they have a somewhat compelling matchup in that they put the Bears and the Ravens on the field Thursday night for NBC. Um, hopefully got, the paint is dried. Hopefully the end zone isn't, uh, you know, sticky, sticky. Um, and they can get this game uh, off as 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 planned. Um, but you got Lamar Jackson on the Baltimore side. You got Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy, Nagy on the Bears side. So you have some things to keep an eye on. Um, it, it it'll as preseason football goes. I think it might even the drama might last a whole half rather than half of the first quarter, like usual. I wouldn't even call it drama. I, I like if intrigue may come interest, right, interest and intrigue. Two two relative I words for your preseason football come before drama. Yes, first looks Lamar Jackson in a pro uniform. We're not obviously going to see the packages and plans they're going to put him into this year. I think. Personally, he's going to be one of those OWs, more than playing quarterback. I think he'll be weaponized on the Ravens' offense. And if he plays well, gets into Wildcat packages, et cetera, maybe he pushes Flacco to up his game because he's kind of been coasting on Super Bowl forty-seven for about five years. That's happening already. Yeah, The flames are licking at Joe Flacco's uh, tush tush already. And. Congratulations. You use Tush. I'm sorry. Finally, uh, put it down. Your, uh, if you're playing cover two bingo, everybody. It was August 1st. Don finally said Tush. Uh, also, do you, you know who else is on their roster? RG3. Yeah. We forget that. Yeah. Like the, six years ago, heralded as the next great quarterback in the NFL, has that incredible, incredible rookie season. They trot him out there in that, C, that playoff game against the Seahawks on that 
field that looked like it had just been mortared and shelled before they played on it. He ends up doing that stanky leg thing where his leg gets caught, buckles, tears his ACL, never the same player, can't find the right fit, and I feel like he's just like crops that have been harvested and then buried and burned by the government because there's no use for them. I don't think we're ever going to see him play relevant football. How about this? Has any team ever had two backup quarterbacks with Heismans on their shelf? That can run sub 4-4s. Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin conceivably could be backup quarterbacks on Baltimore's roster this year uh, and both own Heismans. What word got out on RG3, Don, that basically just burned him in places like Arizona, where they obviously needed QB help, and Denver, where they weren't sure exactly where their next signal caller was coming from. What happened? I think it was that he's he's a guy you have to build your offense around, um, and he never showed – he wasn't a starter long enough to show the maturation process that he was going to be able to give you the full range of choices uh, that an NFL quarterback has to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was still, I think, kind of seen as a almost a specialty or a novelty item. And then he gets hurt, and then he's never even the same explosive talent doing what he does best. Um, so I don't think he had that time. He didn't have the situation where he could kind of develop as a passer. We're going to have a little later in the podcast, as our guest today, Brian Billick, NFL Network analyst, obviously former Ravens head coach. But uh, I chose him this week in part because I think the two headline names clearly of this Hall of Fame class are Randy Moss um, and Ray Lewis. And Brian coached both of them. He had Randy Moss's rookie season of 98 uh, when I was still on the Vikings beat. Um, And then, of course, he goes to Baltimore in 99 and coaches Ray Lewis, who was then in his fourth season. So he's a pretty good perspective of those two, as well as Terrell Owens, who clearly is not going to be present, but will be down in in Chattanooga doing his own thing on Saturday. We can talk a little bit about that. Brian Dawkins, the great Eagles uh, safety. Bobby Bethard, Robert Brazil, and Jerry Kramer at long last is going to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's your seven-man 2018 class class. in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, Don, I have to ask you one question. Is that Jerry? How long you think Ray Lewis's Hall of Fame speech is going to go? Oh. They watched the Super Bowl from the same place I watched the Super Bowl from. Your couch. That's I, right. I, I know this. This could be the great. This I'm could bringing be, a cot to the uh, press box. Honestly, like. For a while, because you're probably wanted for murder. <laughs> Too soon, Kevin Collins. I like it. Keep it up, kid. Now. We've seen some great speeches in recent year. Chris Carter had a good speech. Uh, Shannon Sharp had one that was very emotional. And I feel like, I'm just guessing, I don't think Ray Lewis is going to deliver. This is Ray, he's going to do one of those speeches where Flacco said they all had no idea what he was saying in the is locker room. Is anyone going to know it's what just, he's talking no, about? No, no. They, like, he thought he was delivering this emotional sermon. Eloquent. This, this, yeah, this eloquent, emotional, you know, uh, pregame sermon i guess really is what they were and flacco was like nah nobody had any idea what he was saying and And many times i think nor did we when he was an analyst on tv at times i thought he was indecipherable uh as an analyst didn't know the train of thought where he was going the thread i i I loved watching steve young on monday night football when they would put them all out on the field either pre-game or post-game 
And when they throw to Ray Lewis, I could tell Steve Young was just verbally, you know, he was his eyes told the whole story. He didn't he would just right. hang on tight and hope that he could get a thread, <laughs> a thread of one thing that Ray said that he yep. could then parlay off of. Or and that's what of. Steve Young was so good at doing. Like, all right, let me just listen to this and this w- weird mumbo jumbo. This sort of like football jazz, this scatting that he's doing on tonight's matchup or experiences he had, and then pull like one silver thread and then somehow weave it into something useful. I'm predicting a 30-minute pie-in of just absolute nonsense, experience. Self-absorption. Self-absorption, religion, and... Borderline and, verbal and, mayhem and deer antler spray. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, they're going to pass out free bottles to everybody in Canton tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be this weekend. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a, a stem winder, as they say. Um, that's I coming. Up and put them down. <laughs> that's coming Saturday night in Canton, and I'll be there. Uh, but Thursday night is obviously the, the football game. First, I'll tell you what's Friday night. It's Johnny Manziel's debut. In the CFL, baby. Uh, do you think more NFL fans, more NFL executives have been disinterested in the CFL? Yeah, I, I, I Long think time. There's, there's more reason to be interested. First of all, the games are showing up on ESPN2 a lot more. Well, here, here's, here's my question. If he's willing to go down the rabbit hole of you know Elio's Pizza, yep. if you're that desperate for football... Will you be tuning into any CFL games to get your fix? Uh, now that I know they're going to be on the it's Ocho. It's a fair question, sure. right, Don? Yeah. It's an absolutely yeah. fair question. I, I actually watched a but little bit. But is CFL bit. better than NFL preseason? Yes. Oh, I would yes. say so. CFL yeah. actual? Yeah. I would say so. Yeah, it's real. I just think the field's too wide. Yeah, it is, and it's too long. But those are quirks. Those are quirks. It's still, it's still football. It's a pretty good, entertaining brand of football. I actually watch a little bit of CFL if I flip by it. Mm-hmm. I might go out of my way Friday night to find that Montreal Hamilton game. Mm-hmm. Oh, the schedule makers knew what they were doing. They, the they put Alouette? him against his former team in Hamilton. Already. Are they the Alouettes? The Alouettes and the Tiger Cats. The right, Tiger Cats, as they call So what do we think? Maybe we should have, you know what, let's start a tourney every year. Let's do the winner of the CFL, the winner of Arena, the worst team in the NFL in the college national championship. And put them together in a, put them in a final. Now, now you're getting like, now you're thinking like a soccer brain. It's yeah. like one of no, these soccer tournaments. Exactly. And you know what? The same way that Tiger. Like Woods the U.S. And, Open Cup. Well, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are going to play golf soon for $10 million, right? They're going to play this one-on-one matchup. Are they? Yeah. That's, the, that's in the works. Missed that headline. And it's going to be great for golf fans. Like, too much... Too much of sports is all just about the be leagues great for the and the rules. It's going to be amazing for the winner, but also golf fans. I guarantee you that'll have massive ratings. Why don't we do things more frequently that just give fans what they want? You know, I know. Listen, we're sitting someplace where coaches don't exactly give fans exactly what they want on a regular basis. <laughs> or answers. we're under 2018. But why not do something crazy like that? I don't. I, I just think it would be fun. Stupid thing. And I'm also excited to see if Johnny Manziel plays a reasonable brand of professional I, I football. I am too. Friday I mean, because it's been since the end of 2015 since he's really played football. His talent's not an accident. It's okay. Here's the question: Is he going to go down the RG3 road, or is there a road to redemption for Manziel? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's at least compelling enough to to watch a little bit and see if he what he still has in his uh, bag of tricks. But yeah, that's Friday night, Montreal against Hamilton. Always, 
Always good when those two go. <laughs> Ray get together. You know, Ray Sherman, the former Packers coach, is coaching Montreal Alouettes. Oh he, wow! He is, jo- and he. That's why he went out and got Johnny Manziel because he had him at Texas A and M. He coached oh, that's Manziel right. that's at right. Texas A and M. Ray Sherman. He got the best out of Johnny. So let's yeah. see. Ray Sherman, a longtime playoff coach in the NFL. You know, he didn't. People kind of forget about him. He was between Holmgren and McCarthy mm-hmm. in there somewhere, but um, did go to the playoffs quite a bit. What else is going on? Well. Let's take thirty seconds. I'm uh, I'm very high on the two Red Sox uh, major trade acquisitions. Ian Kinsler, I think, is a good move. Nathan Ivaldi's a good move. Looked uh, great Sunday. Yeah, it was. Um, I think that's a win-win. I'm I'm a little nervous with Chris Sale on the DL, missing the Yankees start. That's David Price like. Uh, but this is a huge series because I. I just read a book about the 1978 Yankees Red Sox chase in the one game playoff, mm. um, and it, you were too young. But in 1978, the Yankees came into Fenway and swept a four game series that became known as the Boston Massacre, outscored something like 47 to nine, um, that really turned that race into, you know, neck to neck. And boy, I hope history does not repeat itself in I this know. case. I don't think so. But taking Sale out of the rotation for this series makes me. A little nervous because now you you need either Porcello or Valdi to win their games. Now this team that's on this record pace that could win 110 plus games with a 40 game win differential and now five games over the Yankees in the American League East, they just showed they're as susceptible to Good great pitching. starting pitching yeah. as any. Their offense is just Phillies. as. Philly shut him down. Yeah, Arietta looked the best he's looked since he signed away from Chicago since he looked from their World Series season. And that kid the other night, Nola. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's. He, he, Ari, he's what's legit. his name again? Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola, thank yeah. you. Yep. Aaron Nola Went to the All-Star was game legit. Yeah. Uh, good. So the Great Sox curveball. scored two runs Monday, and, and one. one was in the 13th inning. Yes. And one, so they averaged 1.5 runs against the Phillies at home. As we hit the trade deadline. I like yeah. the moves, too, but Yankees come in and get good starting pitching. Yeah. Red Sox, I mean, the Sox can put some runs up against them, and they're better at Fenway than they are in Yankee Stadium, but I don't know, man. That's Both teams that, got better. Didn't it feel like the Chris Sale news fell on j- just the day that confidence was yes. surging to an almost unbearable level in yes. Red Sox Nation? Yeah, I, I felt like it was such it was such a downer. Um, to lose him for this series is not just another series. It's, no. It's a series that really could, you know, if the Sox somehow won three out of four, they could pretty much step on the Yankees' neck in right. this situation. That would have been it. Yeah. Um, hey, boy, for for someone who's got shoulder and mild shoulder inflammation, as they put it, <laughs> pitched awfully well with mild shoulder but inflammation. On the flip side, Severino has been a puddle for he the has. last two or three weeks. He has, Good yeah. point. I'm counting on him. Melting down again. Yeah, is Sonny Gray still on the team? He is. He yeah. is, and he's not been having a great year. His ERA is up over five. Oh yeah, no, he's been a batting practice machine. All right. Well, turning to some NFL topics du jour, I'm loving that the Browns quarterback uh, triumvirate of Drew Stanton, Tyrod Taylor, and Baker Mayfield have their own. Uh, what are we calling it? QB's only the, wagon. The QB's like, only RV. That they will not let Hard Knocks inside their their RV. That's where they go to get away from the cameras and the media pressure. I've covered the league almost three decades. I don't remember another team doing this. Certainly, they didn't do it with much publicity. I it's it's like a little treehouse that they're climbing right. up into. Exactly. Yeah. It's not. Now it's no not girls. The Gronk, it's not no the girls Gronk allowed. Bus. Nope. There's no beer pong. There's no pole. There's no Bud Light, and flashing lights. Uh, it's 
been called a place to relax, unwind, maybe even catch a nap. The QB only RV, and it's parked out back at the stadium. I think that's uh, the, the fact that this that they do something like this. The, it's selfless camaraderie that they're building right yes. now. That these guys are all in competition with each other. We know the tag, the price they paid for Mayfield, and you could easily see a cutthroat competition. But that they're bonding up right now, that makes me just think more good things for this 2018 Browns. Well, we already know Drew Stanton is. Uh... He's quite the lively dancer. Remember that viral video of him going down the sideline, uh, dancing right. wildly and badly as uh, someone scored a touchdown for Arizona. But he, I think he's always been a good uh, uh, second or third wheel in the quarterback room. And everyone has said good things about Tyrod Taylor so far and his leadership in Cleveland. And then I think Mayfield's hit all the right notes. And he's, he's playing pretty good practice football mm-hmm. these days. On the flip side... What a blank show it looks like in Oakland already. Uh, John Gruden hasn't talked to Khalil Mack once since being hired. He comes out and basically said, eh, our defense kind of sucked with Khalil Mack last year playing. So as in what's the big upgrade once he's here and signed uh, or not not signed, he's already signed, not holding out. I don't like the vibes Mm -mm. so far in Oakland. Well, good thing is it's only a trial basis contract for Gruden and the Raiders. So <laughs> only ten years. It's only ten years at ten million dollars a pop. He has promised to walk away if he's not getting the job done in nine plus years. <laughs> nine Seriously, plus. I maybe that attitude, maybe that tough love from the recliner dad after work, like, yeah, well, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, if he wants to have supper, he'll come down and feed himself. Yeah, that may have worked years ago, John. It ain't I, working. I don't know how that's going to work in 2018 uh-uh. NFL. That is not how you you know start to put things together with Khalil Mack. You One, contact that guy and let him know how important he is, and you need to build the defense around him. And it's your job. You apo- you almost apologize for previous coordinators and coaches and say they didn't find a way to get the best out of the defense. And you, I'm going to build this. Tell you, I'll tell you what, man. I like that Khalil Mack. I like him. I'm going to build that whole defense around you, man. And didn't um, I mean? Didn't Oakland go through a defensive coordinator? They had Kenny Norton Jr. Um, so part of the problem apparently was the coordination of the defense, but now Gruden kind of just said, eh, kind of starts with our star player. Mm-hmm. We were nothing special on defense last year. Uh, not not good. And Conley, Gary Conley is back hurt again, They're the cornerback that they drafted last year. Now, can we comfortably peg them in as the cellar dwellers? It's a, it's, I mean, this is an early call. It, this, is, this, Could might be. Be a, this might be a dispatch from Hot Take City, but... I'm pretty sure we can. I'm definitely taking Kansas City and the Chargers over them. Chargers have had a rough couple with they, Jason Verrett out never, for the season. They're never healthy. Why? Why is that team just? I don't know. Even before they get a chance to show us how snake bit they, they are, it's 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 a myth that they're ever going to be the talented, loaded Chargers because they can never stay healthy. Um, and show us that team that has so much talent to lose your top two tight ends, ascending tight end, who's a Pro Bowl talent in making, and a starting cornerback before you even play preseason game one. Yeah, that's. I, I'm telling you, that's why July and August are brutal in the NFL. But don't worry, somebody, you know, Camp Body and Johnny off the street will somehow still have 750 yards and six touchdowns apiece from Phillip Rivers this year. The, and the other situation that I think isn't getting any better, getting only more tense, is, is the Earl Thomas in Seattle relationship. They haven't been in communication. Earl Thomas is holding out, demanding a trade. Uh, I think 
this is one of those things that makes too much sense not to happen. I think they have to move him at this point. I think it's it's pretty clear they're not going to pay him. He's he's close to thirty. They've made mistakes paying guys in that age group before, and they're ready to move on. So now it's a poker game to see who blinks first between them and Dallas. On, right on so, this deal. If you're Jerry Jones now, knowing that Seattle's frustration may lower the price tag a little bit, you make that call? I would. I mean, put a I, sec, What do you put out there, a third now? Well, maybe a, a conditional third. You, you give him a third that can be a, a two if he makes Snaps, the Pro Bowl years, pro, or right. All-Pro or you know leads the Cowboys in interceptions. Pick a, pick a qualifier. Um, give him a conditional three that can become a two, and I think both sides will walk away claiming victory. But I don't think they're putting the pieces back together with Earl Thomas at this point. Question. Why hasn't, speaking of, or at least earlier we mentioned Terrell Owens, why uh, hasn't Dez Bryant signed anywhere? I mean, he's got NFL talent still left in his body. Why? What, what's going on? Why isn't he on a team? Well, I think for one, <laughs> he kind of showed his own hand. I mean, for teams are a little wary that he's a bit of a me guy. And then he comes out and I thought overreacted to something that Stephen Jones said. His Twitter rant last week was a little crazy. Was that not the most self-destructive move? You're you're looking for a job, and you want teams to believe you, you're willing to come in and get with the program, and you just totally torch some former teammates for apparently the perception that he had of throwing himself under the bus in Dallas and getting him cut, right. Sean Lee among them. Um, that was the stupidest thing to do for an unemployed player looking for a spot, trying to convince an NFL team that I'm a team guy and that I can come in and help you. Maybe some of his buddies, maybe some other players around the league thought, yeah, this is good. Finally, Des clapping back at management. I'm glad somebody spoke up for for us, all these disenfranchised, multimillion-dollar football players, these professional athletes. Maybe a couple people were behind it, but I love that Sean Lee – said what he said about him and then i also love that jason witten and like his first big piece pre getting in the booth for monday night football writes a memo to all nfl players and basically professional athletes turn off your mentions yeah, social media. nothing good happens in your twitter mentions stop clapping back yeah. stop getting into twitter rants don't be kevin durant getting on there saying you're tired of all this s and just wanted to answer back to people it just is not it is the smartest good. thing they could do is to kind of and mitch trubisky has said this and i think um forgive me i'm it's one of the um offensive linemen for the bears who said turning our phones off getting in our bubble it's going to be all football and you know that's i Look, I, I check my own mentions. I, you know, it bothers me if somebody out there is torching me. So I can imagine what that is like times a, a bazillion. If you're right. a high-profile high athlete, mm -hmm. you cannot let that get into your head at this time of year. But why? Why? You you've got the love. You can hear the fans. You don't need to mix it up with them. You've got to maintain a distance. That's why social media is probably, you know, outside of the revelation as to the depth of CTE, the prevalence of CTE and concussion issues in the NFL, social media may be the worst thing that has happened yeah, to I professional agree. football this decade. I agree. Um, last topic uh, before we turn to Brian Billick, our guest on the Cover 2 podcast today. You know, I thought it was fascinating that the Eagles had this meeting last week with some touring NFL officials, refs, mm -hmm. um, to discuss the new lowering the helmet rule. And the Eagles did a very smart thing. They showed those refs – 
who were there supposedly to kind of explain how the rules going to be called, how 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 strict it's going to be called, what's going to um, elicit a flag, what could elicit a suspension, uh, an ejection. Um, the Eagles showed those refs the play where Malcolm Jenkins knocked Brandon Cooks out of the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. second quarter, I believe, second uh, quarter. Yep. Yeah. Um, and said, is this going to get get us a flag or ejection from the game? Half the refs said yes, and half the refs said no. And they're crystallized where the NFL is at with this new rule. Nobody knows how it's going to be called. And um, – you know, the, the Eagles players were pretty upset about it because they said we wanted answers. We got answers on both sides of the aisle. Right. But that's where that's where the league put the refs in a tough spot because they're going to have to use August, and they better use it wisely to kind of figure out where the parameters are on this thing. Isn't our country already polarized and partisan enough now? We can't even get our referees to decide <laughs> on what the lowering the helmet rule is. To me, Okay, fans view, naked eye. Not just because I've got my Patriots bias. That should have been a penalty. Yeah. Tackle somebody. Again, tackle somebody. Now, I know a recent guest on the podcast, friend of show, Matt Chatham, who, congratulations, just went to work for The Athletic as well, joining you, doing some column work for The Athletic. He thinks it is, in a column, his first column he put out this morning, you can follow him on Twitter, at Chatham58, he said, this is the single dumbest rule in the history of the NFL, can't hate it enough, and it's so indecipherable, and the referees are already so confused that it's just going to make a blank show out of the 2018 season. I understand what he's saying, but as someone who's watched football basically my entire life, I, there hasn't always been good form, clean tackling, and proper technique, but you don't have to lead with the crown of your helmet and hit someone head-to-head. There's a whole huge bot. There's a lot of space on these six right. foot it's four not receivers just, it's not knees, from knees to pads. It's not knees or head, and nothing in between. Right. It's it's not, and that's kind of how the choice is being painted. Look, I think the potential is for this to be a dumb rule, but again, let's wait and see how it's called because I don't think they're going to overreact. I think they're starting with an overreaction, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, verbally by by creating this rule. I don't think when it it comes down to game day, they're going to ruin the game with this new rule. It could be wrong, but I remember the crown of the helmet um, furor that broke out, and that turned into almost nothing. So mm-hmm. let's see how they're going to call it. But I thought it was great that the Eagles showed them that, that play, and they couldn't even agree on whether it was a penalty or not, which is just kind of a preview of things to come. Right. All right, we're going to uh, – Talk a little Hall of Fame now with Brian Billick, former Baltimore Ravens head coach and NFL Network analyst since 2009. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thanks for your time this morning. Glad to be here. Wanted to get your thoughts as you head to Canton. I'm headed there tomorrow for Hall of Fame weekend. I wanted to come at it from a little bit of a different angle in that you coach these guys, Randy Moss and Ray Lewis, in consecutive years. Um, really, obviously, at the first of Randy's career, his rookie season in 98 in Minnesota, um, and then Ray Lewis's fourth season in Baltimore, but the year, obviously, before the Super Bowl title and before his, I guess, his fame really took hold in the NFL. I wanted to know, how quickly, in both cases, did you come to realize you were dealing with a potential Hall of Fame talent in Randy Moss and Ray Lewis in 98 and 99? Well, with with regards to Randy, you, you, the talent, you saw this extraordinary talent 
uh, immediately. And I've said it many times. I think Randy Moss is the physically most talented receiver we've ever seen in this league and may ever see in this league. I know that's a, that, that's a lot. Uh, but I tell you what, I don't know that we've had anybody that has the height, the leaping ability, the speed, the hands, everything about his game was extraordinary. I remember when we drafted him, uh, at that time, Chris Carter, Hall of Fame receiver, of course, that we had in Minnesota as well, used to have a, a workout camp in Fort Lauderdale. And after we had drafted Randy, Randy had gone down there to spend a couple weeks with Chris. And Chris called me and said, Brian, you have no idea how good this kid is. And I immediately, oh, yeah, look, the film, and I've looked at it, and, and here's what we're going to do with Randy. He goes, no, Brian, listen to me. You have no idea how good this kid is. So for Chris Carter to so readily recognize just what a unique talent Randy Moss was. And in the case of, of Ray Lewis, uh, had played against Ray Lewis that, that, uh, that year in Minnesota in 98, saw what kind of talent he was. But until I got to Baltimore and had a chance to work with him, the thing that jumped out to me about Ray, beyond just the physical abilities and the spectacular talent, was, like you said, I had him going into his fourth year. We had some pretty good veterans, Rod Woodson, Shannon Sharp. These are Hall of Fame players. And what shocked me is how readily these future Hall of Fame players gave themselves over to Ray Lewis's leadership. That, that was what was so unique to me beyond his physical ability that his leadership ability was clearly the leader of that team. And on a team that had some pretty good players, they so readily allowed him to do that. Before he took, you know, I like to say Ray before the dance, before the pregame dance, before he took on such a large role um, in Baltimore when that team was still trying to find its identity, uh, did did you lean on Ray, I guess, early on to, you know, kind of help bring everybody on board to your program? Did he get on board with your program quickly? You're coming in. He doesn't know you from Adam. You're an offensive guy. Uh, reputationally coming from Minnesota. How quickly did things between Brian Billick and Ray Lewis kind of mesh? Well, the thing I appreciated about Ray Lewis as as a future Hall of Fame player, and and Don, as you know, uh, that's a different type of personality. And if they want to be selfish, they can be. And you kind of tolerate it because of extraordinary talent. Ray was just was a coach's dream in terms of he respected the chain of command. He knew that there had to be, that that the players had to respond to the coaching. Uh, And he was just on the ready to whatever you needed for him to do to rally that around. And he kind of did that instinctively. The thing I say about Ray Lewis to people is what you see on Sunday is what you get out of Ray every day. Every meeting, every practice, every weight session. Uh, The way he brings people along, we talk about it many times, that the true sign of a great player is the ability to raise the play of those around him. And Ray clearly did that. Uh, obviously, keeping um, Marvin Lewis as my defensive coordinator, he's familiar with the system. I brought in Jack Del Rio as my linebacker coach. And I did that on purpose because I, I knew there needed to be someone that had played the game that could relate to Ray on that level. And I think that was an excellent relationship when he first came in. So all those things kind of came together that Ray was an incredible asset to that team and a huge resource for me as a coach to tap into that natural leadership ability and make sure that it was done within the framework of what I needed to get done with the team as a whole. Brian, last Hall of Fame question, then we want to – my co-host wants to ask you quickly about Lamar Jackson and his debut coming up Thursday night, Baltimore-Chicago Hall of Fame game. 
put yourself back. I was thinking about this yesterday. 20 years ago right now, we're in Vikings training camp of 98 early on. And really, Moss is every day kind of setting the bar a little higher and a little higher. And obviously, week one against Tampa Bay, it went higher. Week five at Green Bay, Monday night, it went higher. But put yourself back and and tell me what you what your thought process was watching him kind of, you know, clear new heights every day in practice 20 years ago right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that jumped out at you is beginning with that first practice, he'd do something that you'd kind of want to approach and say, well, no, you can't. Well, no, maybe you can't. Yeah, you, you go ahead. Keep going <laughs> the way you're doing it. Uh, and again, uh, as I said, Chris Carter was a huge asset as a mentor for him. I mean, Chris Carter could share something with him and get done in a single conversation, which would have take a, taken a month of practices for me as a coach to communicate for Randy. So that was a huge asset. But as we approached the season, the start of the season, uh, that was a talented team. Beyond Randy, of course, you had Chris Carter, Jake Reed at wide receiver, Andrew Glover at tight end, had a great one-two punch at the running back position, and uh, Robert Smith and Leroy Hoare. You know, we we just had so many assets. You got the sense, beyond just the sheer unique abilities of Randy Moss, that defenses were not going to have an answer for what we could do. Whatever it is you wanted to take away, that's fine. I've always said defensively, you can take away whatever you want from any, any team you want. It's at what cost? What did the other players cost you? And our other players, regardless of who it was you were going to focus on, we had a group of other players that were going to make you pay. Yeah, Coach, there's been a lot of love. This is Don's co-host, Nick Stevens. There's been a lot of love for Randy Moss around here this week, too. Of course, we recorded Gillette Stadium, and Bill Belichick has just heaped praise on Randy Moss, said he's the smartest and best wide receiver he ever got to coach. And uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Now, of course, Hall of Fame weekend kicks off with the Hall of Fame game tomorrow night, Ravens and Bears. I'm excited to see Lamar Jackson. Uh, word out of camp is that he has been nothing short of electric, and he's going to see the field this year. What do you expect, and what have you heard about this outrageous talent Lamar Jackson's bringing to 2018 NFL? Yeah, of course, we're at a time of year where, where all these young quarterbacks, we had five taken in the first round, and everybody's keeping praise. I want to hear the coach that this early in camp goes, yeah, we took this guy in the first round, but he's, he's really terrible, and he's really not doing good. You know, that's just not going to happen. I was up at Ravens camp the other day. He is a unique talent, and and you've got to know in preseason, Lamar Jackson's going to tear it up because you know the the nature of the game in preseason it, it denigrates the Cowboys and Indians real quick. There is real no scheme. Uh, I mean, you're just trying to survive. You got a bunch of young players in there. That's an atmosphere that Lamar Jackson's going to thrive in with that sheer physical ability, uh, which is which is going to be interesting. Joe Flacco's having a great camp. Uh, there's pressures, obviously, to take a guy in the first round on uh, going into uh, three years outside the playoffs and the pressure that that brings to both John Harbaugh and to Joe Flacco. Uh, Joe Flacco's taking the right approach. It's, look, all I can do, and it's typical of Joe Flacco, it's just all we can do is play and win. There's nothing I can say. I'm not going to try to explain it. I understand the circumstance. We just need to go out and win. And if we do that, everything will take care of itself. And if it does, that'll be fine. I'm sure they will use him in some capacity in the – you know, typical wildcat situation, short yardage, maybe in red zone goal line uh, to bring him in to kind of bring him along. That's not is I'm not a big fan of that because it really doesn't mature him as a quarterback until he can operate in the pocket. And if Joe Flacco has a good season and continues to play well, uh, I don't know how much of that development we're going to see in Lamar Jackson. If things don't go well, then certainly you can see that kind of switch being made. 
And, and uh, yeah, we're going to see exactly can he. Along the lines of a Deshaun Watson, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm as excited to see the growth of Deshaun Watson as any quarterback I can remember in a long time. Uh, the show I do for the NFL Network Playbook last year, every week you could see the progression of his growth with the same route in the pocket. You know, first time not there, one's not there, pull it down and run. Next play, next time he does that, the next week, one's not there, he goes to two. Uh, the next time you see that couple weeks down the line, one's not there, two's not there, three's not there, then he pulls it down. That's the kind of growth we're going to have to see in Lamar Jackson to see if he truly can evolve as that, you know, the, the typical is he, a, is he an athlete and a runner that can play quarterback or is he a quarterback that happens to be a pretty good athlete? I, th- I think Lamar's going to bring the best out of Joe Flacco. And secondly, I want to know another second-year quarterback is going to be on the field tomorrow night, Mitchell Trubisky, teamed for the first time with Matt Nagy as head coach. Um, what's your anticipation level for Trubisky year two with an offensive-minded coach like Nagy? Well, they're all looking to, to emulate what happened in L.A. with uh, uh, McVay and, and Jared Goff. You know, you bring in the quarterback, whisperers, head coach, it's that special relationship. You wrap the offense around it. You really expect that next big step of the improvement. There's no reason to think that Mitch Trubisky can't make that, that next step. Uh, obviously, a lot of it has to do with what's around it. What, how good a team are they going to be? Obviously, in a very, very tough division. So uh, that's going to be the key is to the assets they've wrapped around them, how good they can they be as a team. Brian Billick, NFL Network analyst. Brian, where can we see you this weekend in terms of the network's coverage? Well, I'm going to be on the, uh, the pregame stuff for the NFL Network uh, pretty much most of the day on Thursday, getting ready to see the Ravens and the Bears. Uh, then Friday night, uh, of course, Ray Lewis uh, is having his uh, party. Most of these guys have these uh, celebration parties the night before the induction. And then I'll be on the NFL Network leading up to the actual induction ceremony as well. So it should be a great weekend. It should be. I will see you there. Thanks so much once again, former Ravens NFL head coach Brian Billick of the NFL Network, joining us on the Cover 2 podcast. Safe travels, Brian. All right, sounds good. Always great to hear from Coach. I love his perspective. I feel like he had the exact take we needed to hear, not only just about how we may see Lamar Jackson employed in Baltimore, but I love that nice, not-too-subtle dig on the whole idea of what guy is going to take a quarterback in the first round and say, you know what, Josh Allen sucks. I don't know why we did that. Not much so far. Yeah, not much. I haven't seen much. Yeah, he's. Uh, I've seen he completes good deep balls, but is having a hard time with yeah. the short throws. Anyway. I thought that was a great insight. A reminder that silly yes. season extends to when we get too excited. Shades of Schefter and what he told me weeks ago during OTAs when I asked him about, you know, right. who's popping in OTAs. And he's like, everybody. I mean, come on. It's a ridiculous against, question. Against air. Well, it's great. I mean, these are these are learning curves that, you know, steep learning curves for us fans. But it, it begs the question, as Hall of Fame weekend comes up and every, one of the greatest receivers in Patriot history, greatest receiver in Minnesota history, and truly one of the greatest receivers in NFL history, Randy Moss, is enshrined in Canton. You were out there yeah, covering him. You were working in Minnesota during Moss's primetime days. you got to have some good first, stories. First two seasons. I was a yeah. beat writer for his first two seasons. That first season was incredible. Yeah, there was nothing else like it. I mean, oh. obviously that team was um, was incredibly epic and memorable. But Moss, Moss kind of just... He was indelible. He did things, Brian's, as Brian said, you'd, you'd think, you'd start to coach him and say, oh, no, 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 well, maybe, maybe, you know, those were Moss rules. And, you know, to have 
they have a receiver who was so good that they 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 coined a phrase that you just got mossed um, was unlike anybody else you'd ever seen. But I I actually tell people he was the most gifted, dominant athlete I've ever I ever got the privilege to cover. And there were so many. You know, there were so many moments in games, and, and he had so many signature moments. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories kind of behind the scenes that right. would tell you a little bit of what it was like to cover Randy Moss. Um, the memorable uh, Dallas Vikings game, Thanksgiving Day of 98. I've told this story before, but Randy, I thought it was that and the Monday night performance against the Packers in Week 5. But the Dallas game really was his coming out party. Um, three catches, like 160 yards, all went for touchdowns of at least 50 mm-hmm. yards. It was Cunningham just throwing up the ball and, and Randy coming down with it. It was an amazing game. They took the Cowboys apart. Of course, the Cowboys had passed on him in the draft, and he vowed to make them pay. But the the, the moment I'll always remember came after the game, and this was back when Madden and Summerall was still doing the game, and I think it was probably a Fox game that year. And they would do the whole post-game turducken scene, you know. And Madden and Summerall would stay in the booth. And it was Den- Dennis-, Dennis Green and Randy down on the field. Both of them had, you know, headphones on talking to the booth. And Madden is giving Randy the the player of the game turducken. And we let him off the hook! Thank you, Denny. And they, they're talking about what a dominant game he had and everything. So off to the side is this turducken bird um, that was – assembled mm-hmm. probably on Tuesday afternoon. Ugh. And it it was not to be eaten. It was just a prop. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, and we were standing there off camera watching waiting to talk to Randy after uh he got done with TV and at one point Randy was so into it and was so animated that he went over and grabbed a big turducken leg off the bird, pulled it out and on live television, took a big chump out of it. And he's chewing, he's chewing, he's chewing, and we're all watching and thinking, that thing doesn't look like it was really meant to be eaten. Right. Randy realizes that this is not, he's not swallowing this. This yeah. is not going away. He leans over, trying to get off camera, and blows it out of his mouth on live television, <laughs> on live television, all over the Texas Stadium carpet. And we, the beat writers, were just, we're, we were falling down laughing. It was so funny. It was so classic, Randy, because he, he gave it a, he gave it a, a, a college try chewing right. it, but it wasn't going to happen. So he just, boom, hit the eject I'd like button. How would you like to be the Cowboys employee who was in charge of going out to the turf and then cleaning up the pre-chew moss bird. It was a turducken ceremony unlike ah. any other. And then my other quick story. That's great. They they obviously have their epic collapse in the 98 NFC title game in overtime at home against Atlanta. Um, the Vikings had 10 Pro Bowl players that year, but now they've lost that game, so their entire coaching staff is going to coach the NFC. So I get sent out to the Pro Bowl that season to cover uh, basically half the Vikings organization being out there, coaching staff and 10 players. And the game gets over, and everybody flies home Monday afternoon. There was like a direct flight from Honolulu to Minneapolis at like 3 o'clock Monday afternoon, and everybody was on that. And somehow, 
I get upgraded and I'm in first class and they're about to shut the door and there's one seat next to me and I'm thinking this is great. This is the end of a long, long, epic season right. and I'm unwinding and I'm going to have a great 12-hour flight home or whatever it is, relaxing. Might even have a alcoholic beverage or two. And the next thing you know, there was some somebody suddenly comes in at the last minute, sits down right next to me in first class. I look over. Of course, it's it's Randy. Come on. The last guy in the world the beat writer wants to sit next to for 12 hours, one-on-one. He looks at me. I look at him. He has a baseball hat on. Never forget this. He goes, what's up, dog? Pulls the hat down, goes to sleep for 12 hours, doesn't move a muscle. I'm like a six foot six man sitting upright, first class, sleep. I can't relax because I've got Randy Moss right next to me for twelve hours, and I just wanted to get away. I Uh, wanted, I wanted to be in a Southwest commercial. What's up, dog? And that, (laughs) those are my Randy Moss. I have a lot. I have a lot of other Randy Moss. I can't speak that language, buddy. But just, just tell him we said what's up, man, and we appreciate the support. How, how how was he? That year with the press, uh, guarded. He was. He was. Yeah, he was very guarded. Um, he had obviously had his issues at Florida State and Notre Dame. Um, he came in feeling as if he was always trying to figure out if the media was playing some angle that he didn't want. Mm-hmm. He wasn't rude and he wasn't um, a jerk about it, but he would let down his guard very, very rarely. Because the world expected him to fail because he fell so far. Yeah. In the draft, yeah. Yet you go back and watch his Marshall highlight reel. You go it's, go to YouTube. Anyone who's listening right now, throw on the Randy Moss Marshall se- like he came out of after his junior year or his senior year. Yeah, I, I think it was junior year. Yeah, I don't remember. Throw on the just regardless. Throw on the Randy Moss Marshall highlight reel, and you'll watch that and just think, how yeah. the hell did anyone? He, obviously, redraft. He goes out. He goes first overall. He was a transformative talent. I don't know how he lasted till twenty one, but he did. Um, yeah, he had because of weed concerns. Yeah, and he had that fight um, that he had been kicked out of Florida State. I believe it was it was a there was a fight suspension, and then the weed issues. I think were at Notre Dame, but he was. I remember ESPN the magazine sent Curry Kirkpatrick, longtime Sports Illustrated feature writer, to to Minneapolis to do a cover story. Right. It was a classic cover of, of Randy, one of the first issues of ESPN the magazine. And Curry Kirkpatrick was there all week. And I don't think Randy gave him a ton of time either. I mean, it, Randy just didn't really trust. It took a while to win his trust. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, you know, he didn't give us the back of his hand, but he wasn't going to go out of his way. A famous Randy quote from that Dallas game as well, when we went up to him to talk to him, in his locker after that game, he said, "I already." He said, "I." He said, "I'm not talking today." And we said, "But you just talked on TV uh, out there." And he said, "Y'all ain't TV." <laughs> that was his quote. His quote: "Y'all ain't TV," uh, which we that reminded us that we were not indeed TV. Right. We forget he's a West Virginia boy. Yeah, right? he had that great. Right. He had that draw. He right. was. He he's was a, very a, funny, and yeah. he could be very tons of like a sneaky personality. I mean, yeah. and who gave us more? In that time, who gave us more? Straight, straight Stra- I mean, straight cash homie. I yeah, mean, still, straight cash homie. If you're, this, if you're like his me and you- last year was my first year here, and he was always very cordial to me. He would come in this room that you're sitting yep. in to do something, and he'd always just nod his head and he'd go, "What's up, boss man?" Yeah, that's kind of what Randy was, and he called me boss man. I I <laughs> caught him, up, boss man. What's I up, ca- boss man? I caught him early on. Uh, um, 
But what's up, dog? Was kind of his standard his standard greeting. Um, another quick story, but he there was a a writer at the Minneapolis Star Tribune that covered the team with me, and one time he tried to engage Randy in small talk. He heard Randy had dogs, and uh, this writer had dogs. He said, "Randy, I got dogs. You, I heard you got dogs." He said, "Uh huh." He says, "What kind of dogs you got?" He says, "I got none, you dogs." And uh, he said, none of your dogs? I don't think I've ever heard of those. He says, because it's none of your damn business. <laughs> and it was kind of Randy just being Randy telling him, here's my wall. Yep. Here's my line. I'm not sharing that personal information with you. You worry about your dogs. I'll worry about my dogs. Wow. And so, anyway, he, but on the field, you know, the guy, the guy was just an absolute beast yeah. he was a beast mode before mm-hmm. there was a beast mode before but, there was such a yeah. thing yeah i'm looking forward to what he has to say on saturday night because i think he'll, i can't wait to i see. think he'll actually be pretty pretty entertaining and i think he'll be honest he's always been so kind of refreshingly blunt mm-hmm. about what he's thinking and surprisingly i think he's actually been pretty good uh, as a media member um, i, th- I think he's TV been analyst. great yeah you know here we had a chance you know talking about ray lewis yeah I think Randy Moss has been the exact opposite, a talent from around the same time. I think Randy Moss has been articulate. He's been energetic, provided great insight. He's found a way to be much more comfortable and less guarded on camera. Yeah. But these, it's, this is post-play. I mean, I think he also feels that there's there aren't people trying to get under his skin or get some information right. out of him now or make him look bad. I think he feels like there's a lot. He should feel there's a lot of love for him out there. Well, I think he's finally in a pretty good spot. I mean, he knows he, knows he kind of... Did everything he could do in the game, other than finally win that ring. You forget he had that last shot with San Francisco against Baltimore um, in the Super Bowl in New Orleans. That the oh, Niners, that's right, he was on Niners, that San Francisco. He was on team. that team. That was his last game in the NFL. That oh. near miss for the Niners. I still. He got, had he had three epic near misses. The '98 Vikings that didn't quite make the Super Bowl. The and 0- should have. Thanks, Gary Anderson. 07 Patriots. Catches the touchdown that puts them up with just over two minutes to go. You might have heard what happened to the 07 Patriots. All right. And then the, the Niners, who barely lost, what, 35-31? Okay, you got the ball. It's first and goal from, like, the seven. You've got Frank Gore in his prime and Colin Kaepernick. How do you end up throwing, like, three yeah. passes? Yeah. Believe it or not, that was not the worst goal line call in the Super Bowl in recent memory. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> No, did you see Marshawn Lynch's un, uninterrupted? Yeah. Yes. Where he talked, still not over it. Never going to well, be over it. Well, it sounded in a way that he had gotten some, you know, some peace about it, but he said there was confusion in the huddle. That everyone Wasn't just that the arms up like, yeah. you've got to be kidding me. Like, what's with this call? And they all look, and he said that everyone turned and looked to him like, but you're beast mode. Right, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a wrap for the Cover 2 podcast. Uh, Thanks again to Brian Billick, NFL Network analyst and former Ravens head coach, for his Ray Lewis and Randy Moss retrospective with us. Uh, We'll be back next Wednesday with another edition. Uh, For my co-host Nick Stevens and my producer Kevin Collins, our producer Kevin Collins, not just mine, Mm -hmm. uh, he produces Nick as well. Uh, I'm Don Banks. Thanks for talking football with us on a Cover 2 podcast. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Tucks it under the red arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. Diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed.
completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.